listening to Sword Wars. For the 905s, whoever you are, this is Sword Wars. Hello, everyone. My name is Adam Hayes, and on this week's episode, it is welcoming back the one and only Old School Ainton James for a special episode of Squared Circle Grading, Volume 2. So, of course, this is when uh, Old School, being a former teacher in his former lifetime, uh, will now be taking independent or professional wrestlers. I know I said independent, but that will be for another episode another time. But for today, it is wrestlers of the past and the present being graded by this man based on their looks, their personalities, how they were in the ring, uh, what legacy they left on the industry, both good and bad. And he is going to be able to give them the official old school grading himself. And of course, I've mentioned his name a couple of times. Let's welcome him into the program. Please welcome the one and only legendary referee here in Ontario Independent Wrestling, the Terry Funk of refereeing the old school Eddington James. How's it going, brother? You rotten person bringing that up. Yes, I'm rotten person here and there, but that's you mean okay. like a you mean a respected legend who like considerably like like evolves with the times? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Well, I appreciate that. Most people, when they say legend, it means old. That's not what I mean. It means right. highly regarded, and well respected, and you know. It, it, you know, I'm respected by the right people. That's the way I look at it. And so, I appreciate you saying I'm one of the right people. So you are. See, I, I need to ring. Then I don't like you. But other than that, <laughs> <laughs> but you did punch me in the face that one time. I'll, I'll never well, forgive yeah, you. Well, after the pathetic effort you had against the senior citizen, I don't know. I was pretty, <laughs> you gave me a lot of confidence with my. <laughs> Well, of course, like I said, it's not about us, ladies and gentlemen, right now. It is about, like I said, old school is going to be going. Uh, and, of course, everyone that I'm mentioning to him is blind. He has no idea of the names that I'm going to be mentioning to him. And he's going to have to kind of talk it out with me before giving an official uh, grading. And, of course, you know, what he says goes. His ruling is final. Uh, not only is he the senior of this conversation, but he is also the most mature and the wisest. So because of that, his say goes. So uh, old school, of course, we did volume one of this before, and I know you had a whole lot of fun. Uh, what are you expecting from volume two in some of these names? Well, volume two, you, you kind of accused me of being an easy marker. So <laughs> try to be a little more critical, but, you know, when you love wrestling, you, you know, you, you know I, do, I just love everybody. and I love wrestling, and I, I, you know, even the people who don't like me, I love them. And uh, it's hard to criticize, but I will try my best. Well, I'm not saying that you have to overly criticize. We're not looking for, you know, Jim Cornette level of hate here. But, you know, we'll we'll see what we get. I love Jim Cornette. I know we both do. But let's let's move on with our very first name Uh, coming down the line here for our first time uh, here for volume two. uh, It's someone that is very polarizing when it comes to the world of professional wrestling, especially from the 70s and the 80s. Now, of course, this individual has won many different championships, of course, with the Mid-Atlantic Territory, Georgia championship wrestling eastern in fact was actually the very first eastern championship wrestling heavyweight champion and of course a lot of controversy happened around this individual with his own dark side of the ring episode uh following his death of course i'm talking about the first man to ever lose to the undertaker in his infamous streak the one and only jimmy superfly snooka jimmy snooka i i knew it once you told me he was the first ecw champion um what a great individual i know a lot of people friends of mine who who are not big wrestling fans but that's what hooked them jimmy snooker jumping off the cage i have a couple of sports fans who just saw that and went oh you know what this wrestling thing is fun this is cool um i believe nick foley was in the front row on that show or one of the because he was so as a kid uh you know so so jimmy snooker had such a different style that he uh influenced a lot of the current day wrestlers or some of the even wrestlers that retired he had influences on um i was lucky enough to be able to watch him before he became famous because he was on all-star wrestling in vancouver which we always talk about national shows and how vince went national the all-star wrestling in vancouver was kind of a national show for canada because it showed from east coast to west coast um in the 80s and uh Jimmy Snuka was on that for a while, the Portland uh, circuit there, and uh, he was very impressive. Now, everybody who knows me knows I'm not a big fan of the flippity-floppity stuff, but he was 230, 240 pounds, so it was a little bit different. And, and when he used it, it was usually um, 
it made sense, like, which is something that, you know, if you get a bunch of old wrestlers uh, and, and referees together, we'll talk about, does the storyline make sense? And Jimmy Snook always made the story make sense. So he used it as a finisher, not as a thing. His look was amazing. Uh, and I'm just jotting down numbers now. So his look was amazing. He was always in great shape. Uh, not a big fan of barefoot wrestling, but um, he, he was, I'm not going to take that away from him. Why, why um, is that curiosity? A, I'll interrupt yeah. you just for that one. Why is that? Why are you not a fan? Of barefoot wrestling? Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's just something in me. Um, I don't go barefoot. I mean, I was taught not to go barefoot. So, And I just, being in the ring, I just think it's, it, it's, now that I'm a referee, it's because I, I get nervous of ankles breaking and things like that. I like the support. I mean, just yourself, you like a support of a shoe. Um, when you buy a certain shoe or a skate or something, and when you see the ankles and jumping off ropes and how you get your bounce, I mean, he probably, you know, I, I don't know, but, you know, growing up, and I believe he was from Fiji or some, one of the islands, I'm sure he did a lot of barefoot stuff. So I'm sure he, it was just, you know, natural to him. But um, he wore boots enough times that I still liked him. Um, his ability, I mean, he could fly at a time where people didn't fly. And maybe now it looks tame, even though I don't think it does. But um, he was an innovator in a way. And um, he didn't change this, his story too much. I and mean, it was the same kind of match, mostly. But he really knew how to fire up. And um, that's always impressive to me. He was certainly over with the fans, as I continue to give him numbers here. And uh, where he re and his legacy, because he influenced so many wrestlers. So, I mean, I've got him at nines all the way down. However, mm -hmm. promos in there, <laughs> and I purposely left that go, one of the worst promos in the business. Listen, brother, uh, brother, you, you got, uh, brother, uh, man, and he just didn't have a, I don't know if it was because English was a second language or he just didn't work. I guess they didn't have a Dusty Rhodes promo class, but he was pretty bad on the promo. It's funny that you say that because like a part of his, um, accolades and stuff like that according to, according to the wrestling observer newsletter he was uh, voted the most unimproved and worst on the interviews uh <laughs> in 1984 and most washed up as well i'm a little disappointed that i agree with agree with Meltzer, but you know <laughs> because i know what he likes i'm just the only thing i don't have here is a calculator all right so we're gonna do some quick adding to give him an actual mark so four times nine is three so 39 divided by five. Well, I mean, I so he's going to be in the, I'm going to give him uh, probably, the promo was so bad, but he's such a good influence. Uh, I'm going to give him a B plus. I'm ignoring the numbers here. Okay. Um, and and, and it's, it's purely because of the promos, because he had a chance. Like, I mean, certainly Piper's pit was the most famous thing that he did with the coconut over the head and everything, but he couldn't get a sentence out. And of course, Piper making him, making fun of him, you kind of sided towards Piper after a while because he couldn't defend himself verbally. So um, he's a B plus, uh, and I'm trying to be a little tougher this time. On the last show, I probably would have given him a version of an A because he really is a top-notch wrestler. But I, I'm of the opinion that promos are very important. And, uh, he, and he, was, he really was wrestling, you know, high, mid-level main events every so often when they would build a program around him, but basically high middle level. I don't, I didn't see him as a main event all the time. Do you think that Snuka is wildly considered one of the most innovative of his time, especially as you were just saying all the points you did. We can't ignore the elephant in the room though, with Nancy Argentino and the death and the murder allegations and everything like that, like him actually being, you know, tried and actually you know sentenced in the center in a way yeah uh, i don't know all the details i remember it was covered by the toronto star like two pages i remember which is you know in my day you know i wasn't excited but i was pretty happy that the media actually covered it because they didn't cover wrestling back we've talked about this before but the wrestling was not covered at all so it's not you know any publicity is good publicity i guess for the sport but in this case it wasn't really but uh you know uh it certainly puts a dark cloud over his legacy, as you're saying, using the word legacy. So, um, yeah, I would st stick with my B plus. I'm dying to give him an A in there somewhere, but I just and, he, and certainly, like I said, I mean, if you want an honest answer, my my categories were nines all the way down until a promo, which was down to a three out of ten, and mm. 
I just can't give a guy an A when he has one part of his, uh, a big part of his uh, uh, being a wrestler solo. So that's just me. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, Jimmy Superfly Snuka, even in depth, getting a B plus player, uh, according to old school Angton James. And of course, Hulk Hogan, I'm sure would have agreed with you just as well. Um, the next person <laughs> on our list uh, is around the same era of that 1980s WWF rock and roll wrestling. Although we did not have the name value that Jimmy Superfly Snuka did, uh, this individual would be featured quite a few times within the World Wrestling Federation. Um, of course, you know, if you watch Madison Square Garden shows or Boston Garden shows, he was usually always in the first or even second matchup. He never really rose to prominence from that, uh, but his biggest uh, claim to fame at one point was being a part of the quickest matchup in the history of WrestleMania, of course, before that all disappeared. Of course, I'm talking about none other than Special Delivery, S.D. Jones. Well, I'll have to think about that one. I really only saw him as enhancement worker in, um, in the 80s and things. He was never really, um, I'm not saying he didn't win matches, which would be my real def definition of an enhancement worker, but he never really beat anybody that was um, that I ever saw in WWF programming back in the day and WWF and perhaps WWE. Um, but he was a really good, what they would call a hand. Like he was a really good worker, a really good hand. Um, you wanted him on the show. Um, I'm just going through my list here. Looks, he looked like a million dollars, big boy. Um, ability, he could, he could go with anybody. Uh, you know, I'm going to give him, you know, a, a good solid mark for ability. Was he over? He was definitely over with the fans. Um, but I think in those days, even though there weren't any, you know, Meltzers around or anything else, we still had that feeling. You had that feeling that he was never going to win the big one. So the way we looked at him was that way. Personality, I can't remember a lot of interviews. I kind of vaguely remember him in the Land of a Thousand Dances kind of uh, video thing. Um, and uh, he, he came off well on that. But uh, as far as legacy goes, he'll be... Remembered as a good hand, but that's about it. Um, so, sorry, I had to hang up on somebody, but um, it was SD. <laughs> no, yeah, I know. From beyond the grave. Damn it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I mean, he he uh, he was definitely over with the fans. Um, personality was there. Um, promo, I really honestly can say I never heard him do a promo in my life. So. Um, he was not usually, he doesn't make it to the microphone with Vince back in the day that I remember anyways. And as far as, um, you know, everything goes, I mean, he's definitely, I, I would put him in the B range. Like he's, he's a good solid hand. Um, his body really, really, and he was very well respected within the industry. People like to work, work for him and uh, work with him. So um, just a general good guy. We like sd jones all right well, there we go so sd jones getting the solid b of course right now we already said jimmy snooker getting the b plus so no one has already hit the a or the a plus category so i'm telling yeah, you i'm a tough marker this time i i can see that yes um uh, the people from the f first round apparently maybe got off a little bit uh, lucky. But let's see if this next individual um, can maybe reach the A category. Of course, this individual, she was one of the most prominently featured women, probably of the Attitude Era going into the early 2000s. And uh, while there was a lot of controversy after she left the pro wrestling industry, it was hard to deny some of the things that she was able to accomplish. Of course, she was a Hall of Famer. She is a former women's champion. And, of course, she was the first woman to ever be in the Royal Rumble and to win the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship, former member of D-Generation X, the ninth wonder of the world, China. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, it just wasn't one of my favorite workers and, and this I'm going to try not to make this personal. I'll try to make it from what I've heard. Um, um, because she came in at an interesting time and it was a lot of, it was degeneration X and um, they were trying new things. And of course she was portrayed as who she was portrayed as. And uh, certainly the women's division was not 
what it is now. There wasn't a lot of competition for China at the time. So they actually had her working a lot of the men. And um, as far as her look goes, I mean, you can't say anything bad about it. She an attractive, very large, muscular woman, maybe in the, you know, the, the uh, Charlotte Flair kind of body type, like muscular, big, athletic looking. Um, promo. Because of she was usually part of Degeneration X or, you know, sort of uh, parallel to them, I don't remember a ton of her interviews, so I'm not sure how she was on a promo. So just the idea that I don't remember makes me think that she wasn't very dynamic. Um, her ability, I mean, she's in the ring. Like, if you just looked at her wrestling, she played her role very well. She was portrayed as the strong man, you know, strong man, strong woman of the era. and um, she played that well. She used a lot of power moves. And uh, was she over? Yep, she was over a million bucks. Um, personality, it was, she was okay in there. Like, it wasn't a bad thing. And um, looking at legacy, legacy is an interesting one because you have to sort of, you know, the sport based on a lie, and you sort of have to de decipher what everybody says. But the boys and the people in the back, and by boys, I mean everybody in the dressing room kind of thing. Women are kind of included in that. Um, she was respected. Like, people liked her. They, they always called her Joni, and they always like her by her real name, where a lot of people are known as their gimmick name. Um, so, I mean, she, I never heard anything bad about her, really. Like, she, she was really, really respected. So, I might surprise you here and give her my first A, because I might give her, like, an A-, minus, only because of... More for her legacy, um, where she fits in the women's history, um, because they really did make uh, strides in the women's division right after she was there. Now, whether it's because of her and they had to find people who could work with her, I don't know. But I, you know, I can't really recall that era too much. Um, where the women's things seem to get stronger and stronger. Now, you know I'm doing this off the top of my head because I had no prearrangements, so I'm probably talking crap. But uh, I just think she was su such a good influence and that uh, changed a lot of things and changed what um, people perceived as what wrestlers can, you know, especially women wrestlers can do. I'm hoping I don't, don't get canceled and say the right wrong thing here because I don't, I'm nothing but love. But, well, I, mean, uh, I, I think that China, too, if I can just kind of jump in there, too, a lot of people see her legacy as a performer and all that stuff was tarnished for so many years because of her going into the porn route and doing the nude stuff. Of course, when she did Playboy, she was still with the WWF at the time. And there was right. that, you know, working relationship that the two of them had at the time. But, you know, once the falling out happened with, you know, with Hunter and Stephanie and all the, the things with there. And then of course with the drugs and everything like that, it, it was very hard for her image as a person to kind of bounce back from there. And while she was starting to get herself, you know, maybe on the more on the right track again, um, ultimately, you know, she would be, you know. Yeah, I just don't. She, I, she I didn't get a chance to re she uh, to re-energize her image, maybe the way that she wanted to, uh, yeah. especially within the last few years of her life. So um, I totally. feel because of that, that might tarnish who and what she was a little bit more. Yeah. I agree with you there, but I keep thinking, in my memory, I'm trying to think, I mean, uh, in the 70s, we had Heather Feather, so she was a big girl, but, it, you know, she wasn't terribly fit, um, where China was fit, and she was a, 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 a muscular girl, and I look at people like, um, once again, Charlotte Flair, and um, some of, uh, Piper uh, Niven, and some of the girls who are now power workers, and go, would they have been there without a China? Um, mm. Because, you know, it really was cheesecake back in the day with re women wrestling. You know, it really had to be, you know, a, a sexy girl kind of thing. And she sort of changed it and um, just just changed the image of wrestling to me. So I, I am going to stick with my A minus with her. Okay. And um, I'm sure there'll be a lot of, but I just think, and, and mostly this is over the influence over a generation of women who, you know, realized, hey, I can get into wrestling. And I don't have to be this cutesy, poopsy girl. I can actually be muscular. I can go to the gym and work out and 
build muscles. And uh, uh, I just think it, it really did influence a generation of women wrestlers. And, uh, you know, I try to keep their personal life outside it. I didn't with Jimmy Snooker, the same thing. He's a solid B plus, but it had nothing to do with the, the I don't know, horrible ending his life ended up having. Um, it was basically on his ability in the ring. Okay. Uh, well, the next individual that we're going to, and by the way, if everyone's keeping score, China with an A minus right there. Uh, next person we're going to go back to is back to the old rock and wrestling days of the WWF, uh, getting his uh, start in the wrestling industry by quote being picked as a fan and being a longtime Hulkamaniac. I know who it is, uh, and of course you do. Uh, for the people who do not know, he is a WWE Hall of Famer and randomly kind of weird to think about this one. Uh, PWI ranked him number 298 of the best wrestlers back in the year 2003. Makes random sense. Would never have thought that and him making the top 500. But there you are. Of course, I'm talking about everyone's favorite country boy, Mr. Hillbilly Jim. <laughs> well, I remember that whole program with the fan out of the ring. And let's face it, that was every wrestling fan's fantasy. Let's be honest. We all wanted somebody to... I still do. If I go to an AEW or WWE show, you don't think there. Hey, is there a referee available that I won't be in the car getting my stuff? Uh, breaks down. Old school. Get in there. <laughs> yeah, we need you old school. I mean, it's the biggest fantasy in the world. So when we saw this big goofy guy and they played him as a big goofy guy um, get in the ring, we all were there with him. And it was such a well-told story. Um, and then they brought in a, the whole family with, you know, what was it, Elmer or something? I can't remember, Cousin Luke. And so they, they built his program and, and added to it. And it was just the right era, the era of, you know, Andy Griffith's show and Hee Haw and all the, and the country music was so hot at the time and um, CMT and all that. So, I mean, it was a good, everything was timing. Vince is a genius at picking up what's trending and uh, making something of it. Now, uh, you know, I'm looking down the list that I write down, sort of looks, promo, ability, their overness, their personality, their legacy. Um, he was okay. Like he was a big, strong man. So his looks were good. Um, he made it on the cartoon. <laughs> yeah, I know. Not to remember him from more than anything else. He did a pretty good promo. Now he was a, I don't know if he was a disc jockey before wrestling, but he, he was afterwards. I know he did a lot of country music stations and uh, radio shows. I think he still does to be honest. Um, he was certainly over. You can't say he wasn't over. And as I say, these things that I'm looking at are not rated equal. Okay. So not, you know, just because you're over doesn't make you a great wrestler. Um, ability. You know, I would have to say he was on the lower end of ability, but he did what he did. Uh, you know, he had his set moves and they worked. And was he over? Absolutely. His personality was bigger than life. I don't think there's much of a legacy. I don't think anybody's going to remember him in the same breath as Luthez or Hulk Hogan but, you know, he's remembered fondly. Um, I'm going to be a, more brutal with him a little bit in, in that I just don't think he had a lot of variety of moves. And I'm sure if you were a wrestler and had to face him, I think it would be pretty hard to set up a match that wasn't favoring him. And, um, you know, you, you'd have to do a hillbilly gym match. It's not like, oh, I can throw a suplex. Oh, no, I don't know about that. Well, I'll fly up. No, I couldn't do that with him. You know, there was, you know, well, I'm going to dance for 10 minutes with them and then I'm going to, yeah. So I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, this sort of the same as SD Jones in that's just a solid B. He was great at the time. He was over as crazy over. I'm almost wanted to go. I think I'm going to go B plus with him because I've got to separate him from SD Jones a bit there because he did have success he was over but I think the biggest thing that I'm being negative about is his ability in the ring was pretty limited and um, I, I wouldn't want to face him I'll put okay. it that way if you're if you're uh, you know a wrestler with a ton of holds and things uh, Brian Danielson or something I imagine you just put your hand to your head and go oh gosh I've got to work hillbilly gym you know what? I would pay good money to see Brian Danielson versus Hillbilly Jim in his prime. I mean, Danielson did it with Kamala at one point. In yes, the, you're absolutely so right. I, you know, the man's a wizard, so I, he can pull a good match on anybody, I believe. Yeah, I, I, it was probably a bad example. I was trying to think of somebody who was a you know serious wrestler, but well, it's maybe a loose says who would be trying to, you know, he didn't have the uh, 
I don't know if he had the ability to pull out a great match out of well, there wouldn't have been a hillbilly gym back then, I don't think, because everybody was a pretty confident wrestler back in the day. But yeah, I mean, it was he was a character. He was, uh, you know, uh, and I have nothing but love for him. I think he's a great. I, you know, I have nothing more to say. Just a good guy, but uh, you know, it's not going to be a member in the legacy of wrestling very long. Well, one person that is going to be remembered in some form of fashion is this next individual. Um, made their debut, or at least one of the more popular times of their career, was within the 1980s. Of course, had a bit of a resurgence in the 90s and even went into the 2000s. Uh, this person, of course, would win championship gold within WCW, within championship wrestling from Florida. And, of course, uh, would be a former Royal Rumble winner as well. Uh, of course, he did not have the success that he wanted to within the World Wrestling Federation. He would have a lot of success elsewhere and would be known as one of the strongest and most physically impressive wrestlers in the history of the business. In fact, giving him nickname the Total Package. Of course, I'm talking about the former Narcissus, Lex Luger. I don't know if that was his name or the description of his personality um lex luger wow that's a good one that's a good one because my first knee-jerk reaction is kind of negative but i have to analyze this as i would as a teacher and you know go through different things we didn't just make marks up as some parents think um <laughs> i knew it <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> all right i mean i'm going down my list here i mean looks he was a billion dollar i mean if i really was adding marks and stuff i would give him a 10 out of 10 his body was amazing uh former football player um but could be a bodybuilder um i think he wasn't even involved in the vince mcmahon's bodybuilding thing i can't remember what it was iwf or uh, whatever. The wbf yes yeah yeah i think he was yeah so i mean vince obviously brought him in vince knew that you know as i say you know whether i like what the product is in wwe or not you know, you have to look at Vince as a genius, and he saw what he could do with Lex. And Lex, you know, they, they, he was one of those guys who got in the business and was pushed everywhere he went. And maybe he didn't deserve the push as much as he should have, but you can't ignore a guy who seems to be taller and bigger and stronger than everybody. So, once again, his ability was good. He was, you know, a good, solid, you know, he, he's not a, you know, amateur type wrestler, but... Um, he was a, you know, like, like Joni, like China, he was a strong man kind of wrestler and he'd use strong man kind of moves. And he surprised you once in a while with a move or two, but generally he was, you know, doing his, you know, um, power moves over his neck and, you know, power slams. And, uh, I can't think of his finisher. It's the thing over the shoulder with the, I can't the torture rack, torture rack. That's right. Um, so that was, um, great. I mean, he had a good finisher over with the crowd usually i don't know i think they kind of i think they tired of him you know promotion fairly easy when they realized that he didn't have you know the variety and everything and he was at a very good time in wrestling too so i mean he was he was going against flair he was going against steamboat he was in the same dressing room as all these guys um so you can't help but get better so he was in a pretty lucky guy personality his interviews weren't great i don't i remember the pretty you know six out of seven out of ten somewhere in there so that would drop him pretty much. Legacy, he didn't really come out as anybody's favorite wrestler, really. Um, I mean, I, he's got some major things to his name, though. I mean, the, you know, when Monday Night Nitro happened, he was the first guy to make the jump from WWF yep. over to WCW in that instance. Yeah. Uh, first guy to ever co-win a Royal Rumble in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, those, those are things that are great. Um I don't think it's going to change my mark for him or my evaluation for him. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I, he was such a big, he was so big in that era though. Like I said, I guess I'm thinking more WCW. His WWE stuff was pretty bad. And, and you know, Yokozuna on the bus and on the boat, I mean, and all that stuff. I mean, it was kind of, it fizzled out pretty quickly. Um, and I kind of feel that about WCW too. He was always, you know, this is the great Lex Luger. He's great. And then all of a sudden it would just fizzle out. Lex Luger and Sting, well, Sting's still going. Lex, you know, sorry. Um, so I I can't be brutal with him because he was a main eventer, and I don't think he ever wasn't a main eventer. The end of his career was, you know, not uh, great, where I'm not sure if he knew where he was some of the time. 
um, and some of the famous interviews where he just didn't know um, he wasn't it wasn't coming over very well. So I can't help but put him in the A range because the body, the thing. Um, and if I give him a B plus, then I'm putting him online with Hillbilly Jim, and I think maybe and Jimmy Snuka. Yeah, Jimmy Snook. I know. I know. I'm debating what Jimmy Snook do. See, that's what I mean. I want to give all the top level guys A's because they made top level, and all the mid. You know, so it's really hard for me to do this. I was brutal with Jimmy Snook, and I and I'm I'm kind of regretting that because if I do him with B plus, but um, um, I don't know. My vibe is a, a, a more of a. I just can't give him a B plus. He's just he was. No, I am. I'm going to give him a B plus. Okay. I'm going to be brave. I, I mean, he was great in his time, but. He's just not, not on top. And you guys want me to be brutal. So a B plus is like 78, <laughs> 79 out of 100. That's good. That's very, go. very good. When my, I asked my very, very best friend in wrestling, Bia, uh, Bia Moss, I, I said, what kind of referee? And she said, you're a 7 out of 10. I was so hurt for almost a year. And as I go back and look, I go, yeah, you're right. I'm about 7 out of 10. I'm not the best. I'm not Harry D. I'm not... You know, I'm not Brad Meyer. I, I, I'm not up there. I'm not. They, they aren't going to call me to, you know, emergency do an impact taping. But you know, I'm okay with seven out of ten. So, so should Lex. Suck it up, Lex. <laughs> All right. Well, our next individual is, um, quite frankly, I don't know if he'll ever go back to the WWF or the WWE at this point. He's been back and forth so many times, and, um. He's done a lot of things within the industry that has made him and his family uh, quite a whole lot of money within the wrestling industry. Of course, uh, someone that has been a part of Continental, someone that has lineage and history to the USWA, world-class, WCW, WWE, and of course being a founding father of TNA Wrestling. Of course, I'm talking to Mr. J-E-double-F, J-A-double-R-E-double-T, Mr. Jeff Jarrett. Who, of yeah. course, is now AEW. So, I mean, this man's just been everywhere. So, old school, what do you say about Mr. Jeff Jarrett? I love Jeff Jarrett, and I've been lucky enough to work with him several times. I'm looking through the people. I guess he's the only one I've actually worked with um, on the list you gave me today. But um, he's a super guy. He, he's he's a, sort of a brilliant within the thing. If you look at the old clips of him uh, down south, he was uh, a skinny teenager. And you see the development of them. And then, and this happens with a lot of veterans. I notice that about uh, just as they're sort of turning in their career where maybe they're thinking about slowing down, all of a sudden they'll do a change in their body or they're changing their weightlifting or something. But because he really bulked up and looked really good there. Um, the guitar thing is a, a gimmick that just keeps on giving and uh, uh, you, you can't knock it. Um, the strut he does, the Fargo strut. Um, very unique, um, very easy. I, you know, I'm from personal experience, nice guy to work with. Um, I can see the respect that the boys have in the dressing room with him. Um, so he's going to be up there. I got to tell you. So I'm looking down promos, great promo. He still does a great promo. Um, I'm trying to think of the match that got him to AEW. There was a match before that in some company that we all saw. I don't, what was that? I can't remember. I'm trying to remember. And everybody was going, oh, he still got it. Was it the Flair last match or something? I don't know. There was something we watched and they just went, he still got it. He's really still, I think it was the Flair's last match. And he had so much. Yeah. And um, yes, I was one of the suckers who bought it. Um, but it, he had so much heat. Uh, and you just, uh, my son and I were phoning back and forth. He's my son's in Saskatchewan and just going, he's amazing. Why is he not working? Like, you know, he had the body. He could see that he's still got the mind, the wrestling mind. He's got an advantage over people because he's second or third generation. And those guys, you know, they walk into the business. They eat, sleep, you know, breathe wrestling. So, so if that's the case, then I'm just out of curiosity before you kind of give your final grade on him, then a guy that has been around like a Jeff Jarrett who could teach the younger generation a thing or two based on his knowledge and everything like that, whatever you want to say about him with, you know, TNA and holding up the division for so long and him not really evolving and whatever, and blah, 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 blah. The fact of the matter is Jeff Jarrett's got so much within his mind and within his body 
Do you think that right now where he is within AEW is the best place for him? Because, of course, we know he's working backstage as well, working with the, the talent and also uh, doing the things for the, the shows and getting them booked different places and stuff like that. So he's wearing multiple hats now within AEW, the same thing he was kind of doing in WWE. Do you think that Jarrett should just focus on one side of the business now, but given that his age and giving his abilities in the ring, or do you think that he still has a little bit left in the tank to still do both? I, I, I think he can do both, but I do hear you totally. Uh, I would hope to think that he's weaning himself off the actual in ring work. Cause I, I'm not an, uh, I do watch AEW more than the other uh, program, but I, I really can't say that I've seen him lately. I, maybe I'm missing it all, but, um, I only get the one show. We're in Canada. So I only get the one show that's consistently on TV. So I don't see him around on the TV too much. Um, I know it with his knowledge. Don't, don't forget. He started up his own company global there for a little while. Um, I remember some of the boys when I was working with them actually had resumes with them, giving them to him and I could name some names that would surprise you, but you know, lining up, here's my eight by 10. And, um, he just has he has a knowledge of every part of the wrestling business. And I always respect like that. I, I always talk to people because, um, Adam, I'm, I'm trying not to break your heart. I have done other podcasts, <laughs> but sometimes I do podcasts, you know, with the fifties and sixties kind of wrestling. And, um, it, it, I have no idea where I was going with this, but I think, I think we, you know, overall we, 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 uh, we love the guys who can do a little bit of everything. And he has, you know, he has done it all in the business, and he redefines himself constantly. I don't know where I was going with the uh, the insult to you there. It wasn't meant that way. But, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm going to give him a solid A. You know, he okay. never really got to the – he's just a solid A. Like, he's somebody you want on your card. He's one of the – you know, right now, I think one of the things he brought to AEW was this is what a heel is. And you can have every definite – and indie guys, you can disagree with me, but I'm right. Wrestling is about good versus evil. It was in the 20s. It was in the 30s. That's probably where I was going with this. And um, the old time wrestling, it was just more obvious. It was good versus evil. And you can't have these tweener guys constantly that you, you sort of cheer for in some matches. And sometimes you don't. And maybe he's depending who he's against. No. I grew up with the Sheik, who was just a heel. There was no redeeming. He, he had, I think, he had zero fans, and you wanted to see him hurt. Not very nice, but it's the truth. Um, Jeff Jarrett has that heel type uh, personality. So when he went on AEW, at this time, MJF wasn't hated so much because he here's this guy who's kind of comical on the interviews. I love MJF. I mean, I think he's a great heel now. I think he really turned himself into a heel. Of course, now he's going back because he's hanging out with Adam Cole. Now you don't know what he is again. But there's nothing like a good heel. And Jeff Jarrett, when I saw that flair thing and some of the interviews and the promos they did, it was like, holy cow, I really hate you, Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> he's just out and out rotten. There's no, no reason to like him. Um so, I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he, he's adding to every company he's ever been to. Um, and I don't know if I have much more to say, but I'm just going down the list here. Legacy. I think he'll be remembered. You know, I think um, I, it, over with the crowd. Yeah. They, it, you know, when he's good, they love him. When they bad, they hate him. And that's your job right there. His personality, um, ability in the ring is just, you know, second to none. He carried flair in that match and uh, um, promos, you know, just unbelievable and he's always kept himself in shape now the early jeff jarrett i wouldn't have said the same thing he was a skinny kid who you knew he was getting older because of his you know father but uh he earned the right now to you know he earned everything he's got as opposed to a greg Gagne who was a skinny teenager skinny adult and still is a skinny guy and was definitely over because of his dad sorry greg i hope i don't mean you in vegas but <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there we go. Uh, Jeff Jarrett getting a solid A. Of course, he's the second person to get an A. China earlier got an A minus. Uh, a few B pluses. SD Jones sitting there with that solid B. Uh, let's see if our second last individual of the day is going to be able to get any kind of uh, rating because um, I know them all so far. 
You you want to talk about polarizing. I feel like you either loved her or you just didn't understand and you hated her guts. Of course, she made her debut back in 1996 by coming out to the ring at WrestleMania 12 at the arm of Hunter Hearst Helmsley. But really, she was actually uh, married to the brand new debuting superstar of uh, the wild man, Mark Merrow, who, of course, she would later on break out in her own way. Of course, getting the very first Playboy edition ever based on her, of course, winning the women's championship, becoming a heel herself, making a small little resurgence back in 2003 and four in the WWF. Um, Of course, I'm talking about one again, one of the most breathtaking to look at, but also one of the most bitchy women probably in the history of the WWF, none other than Sable. Yeah, Sable, to be honest, you know, you, you, in wrestling, if you're a fan like I am, when you say something, there's an emotional response. When you say S.D. Jones, I smiled because I just remember him. He was the guy you thought was going to win every match. And he never won anything. And, but he was just, he, he was just, he had that talent. You just knew he could, you know, one of these days he was going to pull off an upset. Um, Jeff Jarrett, my memories of um, China, you can't help but have some kind of reaction. Sable's a blur to me. I don't remember a lot about her other than she was, like you said, your first thing you thought of was her looks. Like, she was hot. Um, she was a, a, a muscular girl in, in her way and a big girl, you know, in a, in a time where a lot of wrestlers were petite girls. Um, I remember Mark Merrill more, more than I do her. Um, I, I, I'm not going to say I won't mark her, but I really don't remember a lot about her. I don't remember her being that outstanding. She was pushed pretty hard, um, and it was at a time where the women's division was getting better, but it still wasn't quite where it is today. And don't forget, there was periods of bra and panties and all that other stuff. So I, I, I feel unfair to give her too low of a mark, only because we all know that she was um, you know, very successful in her um, looks and things. Um, I'm just looking through. I cannot remember her promos. I apologize. I just That's probably can't. a good thing. Yeah. Uh, so I, just by <laughs> you saying that probably means that she wasn't that great. Um, her ability in the ring, once again, I, she just doesn't have a great, I don't have a great memory for her work. Um, I don't remember her being outstanding. Um, so I'm trying to think, was she over with the crowd? Yeah, but probably not for the right reasons. Like they were, she was over because she was a pretty girl. I'm sure a lot of people had their picture on the wall. Um, I, I don't think she made much of an impact on wrestling overall. It was more of a trend at that time. Um, things were changing, and um, she was a sexy girl. Um, legacy, I don't know. So I mean, I the highest I could give her would be a B minus. I. Might be able to argue for a C plus because I just man maybe it's just a personal thing where I just she just doesn't didn't make an impression on me I didn't think of her either way so I apologize there I'm I'm sort of hedging on there but uh, um you know seven out of ten I guess B minus I guess I could argue a six <laughs> but I won't so what's it going to be then C plus or B minus oh geez I don't know. Oh, let's cause some controversy. C plus. C plus, okay. Okay. I just, she didn't make any impression. I've been watching wrestling for half a century, more than that, and I'm going, she really didn't make an impression on me. I know who she is. I know what she looks like, but I'm more impressed that she was mar- married to Mark Merrill. <laughs> well, and now she's married to Brock Lesnar, and as soon as he hears this, he's going to find out where you live. And he lives in Canada, so it'll be easy to travel. In Saskatchewan, with my son lives, so... Michael, oh, better. So he'll go to really quickly. Sable was one of the greatest wrestlers I've ever seen. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, our Rob, final. I love you. You're 10 out of 10. Our final um, uh, people for our um, volume two here of Squared Circle Grading um, is actually a tag team. And again, when I say polarizing, this one also can go either way when it comes to the legacy of professional wrestling because. While they are not an old tag team, they are a new tag team that has, in their mind, and a lot of people's mind, has redefined what tag team wrestling is all about. Of course, they have won hundreds at this point of championships all over the world. 
of course, making their now stint within All Elite Wrestling as part of the EVPs. And, of course, I'm talking about Nick and Matt Jackson, the Young Bucks. Uh, final final um, duo coming up to the plate here for the Squared Circle Grading Volume 2, uh, Mr. Old School. What's it going to be, the Young Bucks? Well, like Jeff Jarrett, I've actually worked with the Young Bucks. And I knew who they were. This is before all this. They were just the, the indie darlings, as this, the quote is. And um, I know I didn't know their finisher, and they just looked at me. Why wouldn't you know our finisher? I'm going, well, why, where have I seen you? I've never seen you before. I've heard about you. I've read about you. But I just hadn't seen them at that point. If I had, maybe once or twice on ROH or something. But um, I'm gonna, I, I really do need my notes on this one because this is a tough one. Um, let's start off best. with Midnight Express is the best, in my humble opinion. So that's my measuring stick. Um, so looks with, <laughs> you have to remember, I'm coming from a 60s, 70s point of view. They're not big enough to be wrestlers, let alone pro. Now, maybe in person, they're taller. Sometimes some of the guys I think are small, and then they go in the dressing room, and they're way taller. I've only worked with them a couple of times, but they, they didn't impress me size-wise. Now, now you can get into the arguments about why referees have to be smaller. Um their promos are good. I mean, they certainly have made, you know, put themselves over well and uh, made themselves from indie darlings into, you know, ROH and then uh, AEW superstars. So, I mean, um, they certainly have that ability. They certainly know the business end of it and, if, and they're redefining it because they're not following any formula that has happened before. Um, storytelling is not one of my criteria, but I think in this case it might be. I'm not sure if their stories always make sense because they're little guys and they're always fighting people who are bigger. I do think the super kick was a really good idea because that's something that can come from nowhere. However, Shawn Michaels, who at one point was a smaller wrestler, did it better. And, and uh, that... Um, Personalities, legacy, uh, the legacy, well, we don't know yet because they're still relatively young. And, um, you know, as I said, when I said, like, they are certainly doing a lot of things in the business, but it's not like Jeff Jarrett where he learned from experience and is bringing knowledge from 30 and 40 years ago and 50 years ago. Um, these guys are kind of making up their own rules. They've, they've kind of got themselves over. Um, I don't know all the things they did, but. Obviously, you know, it's not my style of wrestling. Um, do I enjoy them? I have seen them in matches that I've enjoyed thoroughly. So saying that, you know, people like the, you know, Road Warriors who were so dominant in one way, Midnight Express were so dominant in the other way, Rock and Roll Express were so dominant in their way. Um, I, I liked the Dudleys. I liked, uh, you know, that's the kind of guys I like. So when I see the Bucks, I keep saying, if there was a tournament with the names that I just mentioned, the Bucks would lose in the first round. That's the way I look at it. So as far as their legacy goes, I find it hard to put them in a top tag team. And I know all the young indie guys are mad now if they're listening because they're going, oh, no, they would beat anybody. And I'm just going, I just don't see it. Um, and I'm trying to think of other tag teams you'd put in there, but I, I you know, demolition or something like that. If you're a WWE fan, they're not going to beat any of those guys. You know, if everybody's at their prime, so I can't give them, oh, I can't even give them an A. I can't do it. I, I want to, but I'll give them a B plus just because they're so over, but I, I'm looking at things like, you know, their size, their look, um, and even their ability to a certain extent, it, it just, they're smug. And I guess I'm looking at that as being their real personality. Maybe they're wonderful guys. Um, the, the time I worked for them, there was a couple of negatives that happened that I won't get into. But so they didn't come off well as people in some ways. Um, they were nice to me, but these are things I heard afterwards. Um, their egos are pretty high up there. So I would say to work with them would be tough. Um, We've all heard the stories of, you know, the, the dressing room fights and things. Um, every time I hear the stories, I keep leaning towards the other people. 
you know, and saying, I think maybe they were maybe in more in the right. And these are all secondhand things. So I will give them a B plus. They're a solid tag team. I'm not going to take anything away from them of the generation. I guess they're really, really good. Um, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owen would slap them around. <laughs> I think, I don't think it would be a contest. That's just the way I look at it. And uh, as I say, I'm old school. Well, yes, you are. And, of course, this was volume two when it comes to square circle grading. Uh, so let's just run down the wrist real, real quick here. Uh, you had Jimmy Snuka, a B plus, SD Jones, a solid B, China, A minus, Hillbilly Jim, B plus, Luger, B plus, Jeff Jarrett, A, Sable, C plus, and the Young Bucks, a B plus. Well, just because of that one grading, you definitely are never going to be working for AEW for sure. So maybe on <laughs> maybe on Collision, but you're definitely not going to be on Dynamite. That's for sure. So. <laughs> I'll do the dark matches. Like if they do, there, there you go. Uh, old school. This has been a whole lot of fun. Of course, this has been oh. like two. Go back in the archives, anchor.fm slash podcast. If you want to listen to volume one, of course, Old School gave his opinions on people like the Ultimate Warrior, Chris Jericho, uh, the fabulous Freebirds, and many more other individuals there. Uh, of course, next time we do this, uh, I mentioned off the top independent wrestling. It would be a little bit fun, maybe a little controversial. If we actually had, um, you know, maybe you go down the line of maybe some of the Ontario independent greats here. In here in Ontario, and give your open uh, and honest opinion. I mentioned I'm still working, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, we can always start with them, or maybe just go from, you know, maybe we'd always do uh, maybe a manager's edition or something like that. So that'd be a whole lot of fun. I already know Jim Cornette's A plus 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 plus, so he's not even going to be mentioned on the list. So, um, so we'll have to see what happens when it comes to that. Uh, old school, is there anything you'd like to be able to plug before we get on out of here? Nah, if you want to come, you know visit me i'm on uh old look up old school eddington james and you should be able to find something eddie old school one two three for tiktok and watch me dance fantastic and of course for everything for us anchor.fm slash wall wars podcast uh of course next week everything's kind of up in the air right now it is the summertime things have been canceling things have been last minute who knows what the next episode is going to be but you definitely want to be able to change make sure and follow us everything facebook instagram the whole nine yards when it comes to schwab wars till then ladies and gentlemen my name is adam hayes thank you very much and we'll catch you on the next one <laughs>